Welcome to Creative On Purpose Live. These conversations are about flying higher and endeavors that make a difference. Do the work you're meant to do now. It's time to be Creative On Purpose. Are you ready? Let's go. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Endeavor and Chief Difference Maker at Creative On Purpose. You can learn more about me and my work and grab your copy of the Creative On Purpose handbook at creativeonpurpose.com. Let's meet today's guest. Tom McCallum, welcome to the broadcast. Please tell our viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where can they go to learn more about you and your work? Uh, to your piece about fearless endeavor and words to that effect, I'm all about my purpose in life, which is making potential possible. So I can see a clear alignment to uh, what you're focused on, doing it creatively. Uh, my day job is I work as a sounding board to leaders in business and government around the world. Um, what I'm really all about is encouraging open leadership. People who are brave, hungry, open, and humble. Uh, what am I up to? Um, I've been working location independent for 27 years and working globally. The only difference now is it's all Zoom calls. There's no, there's no getting on planes. Um, I also write every day, and you can find that at my website, tommccallum.com. Um, and I'm focused on both them. Right now, I'm focused on both the micro and the macro. The micro is I opened my diary eight weeks ago when all this started. For, just for anybody who has a leadership challenge, they want to talk through it for half an hour. The macro is I'm really interested in how the world is going to move from here. So I spend a little bit of my time with clients and most of my time listening to people and pinging ideas around. So Fantastic. Um, well, thank you. I, I would love, so you, you used a, a, the phrase open leadership. I would just love for you to unpack that for us a little bit. It sounds really intriguing. Um, yeah, I, um, there's more, I, I'll go through a bit of it. There's more of it on my, on my site for if anybody wants to look at it. Um, really, I used to, I, I'm a recovering chartered accountant. Um, and I was all about numbers until about my late 30s. I'm in my still my uh, early to mid 50s now and i really we were business schools used to talk about command and control leadership and there's a time and a place for that and in fact in crisis response you don't really want consensus building you just want somebody who says this is what you need to do right now uh, but generally that's not the way that things are going to move it's not the way that uh, we're, we're all looking to be a bit less not all but many are looking to be a bit less materialistic and a bit more about leading from purpose and the style of leadership that that requires is very different. So my thoughts have been evolving on this for years, and my own work has evolved away from numbers towards people. Um, so for the last decade plus, I've been coming a coach and then coming from a coaching place, um, but also sort of blending it. So I'm very passionate about supporting the leaders of today into tomorrow. Really love that. Um, you've mentioned purpose a couple of times. Just What's your take on what purpose is and where, where does purpose come from? Um, that's a really good couple of questions. Um, for me, it's where does it come from? It's always been within us. So if you were to look back at your childhood, Scott, there would be things that drive you, things that give you goosebumps, all kinds of holistic ways of looking at it. It's never, it's, it never changes. It's always with you. Um, and what that then means you, how you apply that in your life, your work, your business, your leadership will vary um, time by time and depending on what you're doing. Uh, I think it's, things are changing day by day, moment by moment right now as we go through this. So the people listening now or the recording in a few days time 
will have a different take on it than somebody who might pick it up in a few weeks' time. For me, it's hugely important with all leaders right now is coming from purpose. Um, why do we do what we do? Um, I wrote yesterday around Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb, and his letter you may have seen on May the 6th, um, totally anchoring on the purpose of that company, why it exists apart from making money. So the summary of my uh, first question you asked was, what is it? Great question. It means different things to different people. In a, in a business environment, and I tend to work with business leaders, it's why do you exist apart from making money? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I think it's, it, it's a, it is a nuanced term that gets used and misused depending on where it's being applied. And you, obviously, as a brand that's called Creative On Purpose, I have given this some thought as well. And, and to your point, you know, Airbnb is a is a company is a brand with a clear mission. They they know what they are on earth to do. They know what the te- their intention is. Um, so their you know their purpose is is their aim. It's the the thing that they wish to fulfill. I sometimes wonder though about for us the, as individuals and as individuals and leaders and companies and so forth. If purpose, that that sense of purpose, which is I think a slightly different thing, is something that comes through doing work on purpose. Okay, well, say say a bit more about that because you've clearly given it a lot of thought because that can inform anything I might say. Yeah, well, I just when we're talking about purpose in that sense, I think we're actually talking about meaning. You know, what's what's it all for? Uh, what 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 is what, what's the point of of what I'm doing? And I think you know a lot of us, and I certainly have been guilty of this for much of my life, are just kind of unconsciously going about our day, having another one of those. One of the things that's been really amazing to me about this moment, acknowledging that there is suffering all over the world, is that it has caused a, many of us to pause for a minute and think about, well, actually, what is this all about? You know, we can't do, we're not having another one of those today. You know, things are very different for most of us today than they were six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. So what we're finding is that now that we're not doing things the way that we've always done them, just because that's what we've been told to do them or brought up to do them. Now we're learning that we can define a way forward, and this is speaking to the next point I'd love to get your insight on is in terms of thinking about how do we proceed beyond the moment that we're in. And we're, you know, to, for me, what we're learning is that the, the meaning is what it, uh, what it's all about is what it's always been about for human beings. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be happy or have a fulfilled life? And how can I do more of both of that? type of thing so the purpose is something that we bring to Mm -hmm. the work as opposed to something that we find within the work that was a very long-winded explanation of let me touch on that before you i I love the way you're going to go next and um but let me touch on that the uh i've been writing every day for about three years now and i followed mr godin uh he inspired me um and what I found was, I, instead of writing a book, I just found that uh, writing, 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 listening to people, pulling the ideas, certain models came to me. And I, and I developed a sort of an evolution of the triple bottom line. 
which has purpose at the beginning. So if you think of the triple bottom line that was brought forward and resulted in the SDGs and the ES, you know, ESG and all these other three-letter acronyms, it was about profit, people, and planet. Well, my evolution of it is purpose comes first, then people and planet, but profits at the bottom because I'm a numbers guy, right? And why does profit at the bottom? Because it, it, profit is not a dirty word. But the reason why you're making a profit is because you have a purpose and you want to make a positive impact. And so it becomes about scale and impact. So I very much agree that if we're purposeful, if we bring through a moment like this consciousness to who we are and what our purpose is, then for some people, it's enough just to be aware of that and to otherwise sit and do, have, their, have their own life and, and do whatever they want to do, but not impact others. I, that doesn't drive me. What drives me is the scale of impact. Um, and it can be one person whose life is transformed. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason I typically work with a lot of people from larger organizations is because they have the opportunity to scale their impact to, to other people. So I think that you make a really important distinction between it can be a bit navel gazing to really focus on our, our intent, who we are, and then go back to Groundhog Day, which it very much feels like right now, but actually a Groundhog Day where we just go through life day to day, right? Um, but I do have a tendency to judge people who, who I'm aware of it, who judge people who aren't making, looking to have a big impact. Um, but having an impact through coming from purpose is very different from having an impact coming from ego. Right. It's growth mindset. It's looking to always improve yourself in the world rather than prove stuff. Yeah. Well, I like what you said about the profit too, because like you, I feel like focusing on profit is focusing on the wrong thing and often leads to decisions that knock us out of alignment with our intention and our integrity. And if we, if we instead do things on purpose with purpose for a purpose for specific people with a specific intention, profit, prosperity, meaning, passion, those are all kind of naturally occurring side effects of doing work that's worth doing to the best of your ability. Um, so I totally, totally agree there. And I, 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 I like your, your, your structure there. And again, to the point of the moment that we're in, I think a lot of us are seeing that the profit piece, um, which we've all been more focused on than is maybe healthy for um, ourselves, but for sure our planet, uh, you know, now we're, we have this opportunity as we appear to be at least emerging from the first wave of this situation, um, to, to not just go back to the way we, the way things were, but to take this improved, um, approach and this new perspective and this reflective, uh, you know, reflecting on what it really is all about and maybe do things a little bit differently and perhaps you know emerge from this situation better and uh -huh. maybe even better off what, what are you saying in terms of this you mentioned this at the beginning um there is you mentioned creative on purpose is is what you're about um and we're talking about being purposeful and you're saying doing things differently. So I, my personal definition of innovation does not involve throwing millions of technology. Um, there's a picturesque, beautiful 
village, uh, which is used for movie sets in the highlands of Scotland called Tobermory, where my mother used to live. And if you go there in the summer, it doesn't get dark till after 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. right? And it's a beautiful harbor with pastel colored homes, lots of people visiting in the summer. And yet my mother was living there all year round and the shopkeepers are going, we can't make any money, right? And yet when I walked, when I, the, I had a young family at the time, when I walked around the town at six o'clock in the evening, what did I see? What was happening with the shops? They were all closed. Now, innovation, my definition of innovation is doing different things and doing things differently. It's simple. Um, and so I said, well, what if you just open the store till nine o'clock at night or until it, till it gets dark when people start walking around? It's not a massive innovation is simply doing things differently. So one of the things coming out of this moment in time, I very much agree with you, is let's look at doing things differently. Now, my favorite commencement speech of all time was by David Foster Wallace, and it was called This Is Water. There's a beautiful um, dramatization of it set in a supermarket, which you can find online. Um, and really the fundamental of that is you can't see the, you know, he starts out with these two young fish Swimming along merrily, not paying attention to what's going on in life. You know it, but I'm going to tell the story for your audience. Mm -hmm. And this older fish comes towards them and go, morning, boys. How's the water? And they went, what's water? <laughs> so we can't see the goldfish bowl we're swimming in. So one of the things I love to do is to sit with people and say, so what are you going to do next? And what's, what's in the future for you, for your business individually? And I... One of the great British traditions is pubs as centers of community. And of course they're all closed, and of course they're all struggling. But for years they've had an issue where their landlords tend to charge them a lot of rent. So many of them struggle to keep their head above water. And so the, the kind of grumpy landlord at my beautiful local pub was complaining about all this. And I bumped into him on the, well, I didn't literally bump into him. We're keeping six feet apart. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, in a perfectly permissible walk down the street way, I saw, saw the landlord and he was telling me all about it. And he felt completely trapped in his, in his situation. And the six most dangerous words in business are, we've always done it this way. We've always done it this way. And his paradigm was he's trapped in a lease and he is stuck. And I said, why don't you buy the pub? And he said, I haven't got any money to buy the pub. I said, but I bet you've got some wealthy regulars who could, who could put money together. And that pub has been owned by a family office for 40 years, right? It wasn't for sale. Mm -hmm. Now, after something like this, if you turn around to the business, it might be for sale. What's it worth? Money, if you have a down payment, is cheaper than it's ever been. Governments are going to print money. Mm -hmm in huge, huge scale that we've not yet seen. So there is so much opportunity for just turning the prism, for looking outside the goldfish bowl. Sometimes you need somebody to help you with that. Um, and I need it for myself. I have people talking to me about it. But there is massive opportunity to, to just look, as you were saying, just look at things differently, do different things and do things differently. And the, 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 the scope for entrepreneurship and innovation is going to be, like nothing our, we've seen our parents, our grandparents, it's going to be radical. And one of the things that, what I'm also seeing right now is that we are in the US, the UK, other countries, we're all gradually going to have to move from this place we've been in of following the rules, 
which are quite defined and we're in our homes and feel safe. So, and we're gonna, there's this thing about, which has now come forward of fear of going out, but also fear of going back to the way things were before. And there, the rules are going to be very malleable. And so that can cause a lot of, when we don't have certainty and structure in our lives, many of us will struggle. So actually not so much looking towards what happens next week or next month, but what, what will happen when we're through this? What, what, what might be different for you, your family, your business? So it's quite a long answer, but broadly what I'm seeing next is with the, if the next time frame is sometimes six months, sometimes a year, this huge scope. A, a large company in the world that you may have heard of is Rolls-Royce. They're famous for cars, but for the last 20 years, their main business has been aero engines for Boeing and Airbus. But for the last 10 years, because of demand for returns to shareholders, their main business is leasing the aircraft engines. So they charge the airlines by the mile and by the takeoff and landing. How do you think they're feeling right now? Yeah. However, they have, I don't know, tens of thousands of the most highly skilled engineers in the world. And maybe the future is drone buses that skip highways. Who's going to design and build the engines? What are you going to do with these thousands of engineers? Yeah. So, you know, you, if you have that conversation, you might take a really stressed out C-suite and say, what could you do differently? I totally agree that the, re the rewards are going to come to those that are not over leveraged in one way of thinking about things and one way of doing things to your point of, about Rolls Royce. And that, I mean, you mentioned Seth Godin. He, he's somebody I have heard of. And I think I heard him once <laughs> say that in this moment that we're in, the field has been leveled. You know, we are creatures. I, I think that generally human beings are creatures of the status quo. They like to know where they stand and what's expected. And they're quite comfortable to just continue to, to maintain their status. There's always some that are seeking to go up and there's always some that are seeking to go down, of course. What we have learned, and this was, I'm pulling this out of your responses, you know, this idea of certainty. So the status quo rewards certainty and rewards judgment. Because, and what we've learned is that there's no such thing as certainty and that all of our judgments have been proven to be, um, at the, if not wrong, uh, not as accurate as maybe we thought they would be. So in this moment, we have this possibility where curiosity, mm -hmm. creativity, consideration are going to be the things that get rewarded. And you, you said one thing at the beginning of your answer about it. it's simple like you know all we have to do is see the the opportunity in the perceived obstacle see the silver lining in the situation um the problem is that although you i believe you're correct it is simple as human beings it's not easy to mm -hmm. change to change our minds to change our perception to change our way of doing things but i see people in you know my little bubble that I am spending most of my days in on Zoom and, and uh, on discussion boards, um, I'm seeing more and more people have this light bulb come on that, hey, there's actually a lot of good that can come out of this. We can exit this situation better and better off than we entered it. And I love um, all the, uh, the opportunities um, 
that, that you just shared with us. And of course, the David um, Foster Wallace story is, is always um, brilliant, but it speaks to this point. Like, this is a time for us all to reflect on, okay, you know, what, what do I notice now as a result of the situation that I've taken for granted or not even seen um, up to this point? So maybe as we're, we're coming into the home stretch there, what are some of the, um, what are some of the, 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 the tools or routines or relationships that you employ to help you you know, think in this way to, to be, have a look at things with a different perspective or to have this willingness to try a, a different or to assert a different perspective than is maybe uh, the norm or the commonly accepted. So if we get into a house space around tools and routines and things, I think it's important, and you mentioned it earlier, to, to backtrack for a moment and to, in this moment in time that we're in today on May the 14th, is to recognize and empathize with the massive difficulty so many people are in. I, I'm extremely privileged that uh, I'm not facing any existential issues. Um, and that, that David Foster Wallace piece, I'm referencing the piece of awareness around being in the goldfish bowl, but you're very familiar with it from New Nodding. That particular speech is really about um, understanding the place that other people in the world are standing and not judging them and being without judgment. So one of the things I'm recogn I recognize in myself, I've had moments over the last eight, nine weeks, right? That have been very challenging. Uh, one of the things I've, uh, and, and many of us will be struggling. So the, the, the one reason I mentioned purpose, one reason I mentioned looking into the future, because that will be supportive to us in the present moment, because we'll all have wobbles. The other piece is to, that I've been really focused upon in listening to people, but also sharing this with people I'm working with, is recognizing that many of us be familiar with the phrase cognitive dissonance, mm -hmm. the idea of holding two conflicting thoughts in our mind at the same time. But it's holding two conflicting thoughts. What I'm really interested in from a leadership and communication standpoint, whether it be self-leadership or groups of people, is energetic or emotional dissonance where rationally we can be feeling one thing, but actually what we're feeling is not rational and, and, and not judging ourselves or others about that. And so my, one of my mentors signs off every email with the line, awareness is the greatest agent for change. So one of the simple tools is to, and there are many tools around this, is to look to be aware of yourself and others without judgment. And we are naturally judge people as humans. But when we, can, when we can actually recognize, as my friend Nilifa Merchant talks about, she wrote a book called Onlyness. And really, we, we do all have a unique stance in the world. Like the people at the supermarket checkouts in Foster Wallace's speech. Um, so if we can be aware of the fact that if you wake up in the morning and go, I feel like, I feel terrible, all right? It will pass. All right, if we allow it, if we overthink it, that's where anxiety comes. So having awareness and recognizing our thought, our state of mind, in other words, how we feel about our thoughts, actually has no connection whatsoever to our circumstance. Now that might be a mind blown thing. You might go, no, 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 rationally it does. But think of the amount of times you may have had a moment, a down moment, particularly we've all had dark and black moments through all of this, 
I'm making an assumption, but I think virtually every human has in the last eight weeks. And it's a shared experience. But it passes. Now, we might sit in it for a long time. But actually, if we can recognize that if we've done it, if you've ever done any meditation or breath work or anything like this, is to recognize that if you try to attach to a thought, you get stuck in it. But if you can allow it, if you can hold it loosely, allow it to pass, it's like a bus. Another one will belong in a moment. So I'm being really loose with this and not being specific. You'll have other guests who'll be more specific. But, but truly, um, self-awareness uh, and around the distinction between what we're thinking and what we're feeling and recognizing where they disconnect. Mm. Um, I, had, I had a laugh out loud moment recently. I've been sitting on so many Zoom calls, I got a thrombosis, a blood clot in my leg. I had to go to a major hospital, which is a bit scary, but they handled it really well. I then had, as I left, um, I got initially quite a scary diagnosis. It turned out I got the all clear. But as I left, I found myself I said, checking in myself, going, how do I feel? And I went, I feel really zen and really calm and really reassured. I should, in quotes, have felt really anxious and really apprehensive and really worried and really concerned. Somehow, for no particular reason, I felt the opposite. And I laughed out loud because my state of mind, it was this awareness again, my state of mind has nothing to do with the circumstances. You cannot legislate for how you feel. It's just a feeling and it will pass. So my, I get there's no granular tip in there, but just... Be aware of how you're feeling and that your state of mind is different from your circumstances always. They're not even related. No, I think it's a, I think it's a very to the point and actionable. I mean, awareness to, I'm hearing also this idea of mindfulness and presence, like being in the moment that you're in and okay. not attached to stories you tell yourself based on the past and not attached to stories about what you want to, you know, what you desire to happen. That's um, incredibly important. Um, and then, you know, what comes up for me is also the recognition of agency. Like we are, we are in control as we have come to see a, a very little, everything yeah. that we expect to happen can disappear, you know, very, very quickly. At the same time, we do control the two things that are required for us to live lives with equanimity and a sense of flourishing in any situation is we get to, we get to decide how we see the situation and we get to decide what we do next. And so as agents, you know, of our destiny, we have these, these tools or these abilities to change our minds. And to the point that we were talking, speaking to earlier, it's, it is fairly simple. At the same time, it's just not easy, but things become easier when we, when we turn them into a habit, a daily practice. If I could, I'll just, you've reminded me of something very quick as a tool. My favorite and the most impactful book that I've ever read, and I know my friend Chip Connolly, who you've had on the show, shares this book, is by the uh, philosopher Viktor Frankl. Mm -hmm. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. And when he was in, uh, it's half biographical, and when he was in a concentration camp towards the end of the war, um, where they're systematically looking to strip all choice and all humanity from you, he came up with uh, his core which is that we always have choice. Mm -hmm. and, the cho and at a time like this, we feel we have very limited choice. Our choice is how we choose to respond to any external stimulus. So yeah. the, the way I summarize that is the ultimate freedom is choice. Yeah, well said. 
I think the, the quote that I, I actually just listened to it on, on audiobook, not about a few weeks ago. And it's when we are unable to change our situation, we are forced to change ourselves is something, something around that. Um, fantastic, Tom, what a great conversation. Uh, I love to end with one question that every guest answers. And that is, if there's one tip or piece of advice, and maybe we've already covered this, <laughs> that you would leave listeners with to help them fly higher in the endeavor that they seek to build and make a difference with, what would that be? I'll leave you with my, my greatest mentor in life was a guy called Ed Percival who died five years ago. He'd been a coach for over 50 years and he summarized all of the uh, 50 years of coaching into three words, be more you. <laughs> Love that. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Tom and I really appreciate you lending us your Thank valuable you so time and attention. Me, I deeply enjoyed it and it's a privilege. Thank you. Um, well, we hope that the, today's broadcast motivates you, the listener, to lean into endeavors that matter with greater curiosity and courage. You can learn more about Tom McCallum at, is it TomMcCallum.com? Correct. Fantastic. And of course, it's always great to see you at CreativeOnPurpose.com as well. Now, go out and make a difference and keep flying higher. Tom McCallum, thanks so much for your time and attention here today.